0: to Anthropo Cinema, a podcast for the end times. I'm Miriam Zaringlam, joined here today with Kate Marvel. Hello. Shana Montanari. Hey, hey. And Rebecca Boyle. Hello. All right, guys. So what are we
1: doing? That's a really good question. I think it's we should tell the story of how we even came up with this idea because we have to thank Twitter for that.
2: Yeah, I yeah. think it all began with one Dr. Kate Marvel. Yeah, I was I was feeling kind of silly and I posted on Twitter, hey, I've never seen the day after tomorrow. And then Miriam replied, Kate, that's a humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> <laughs> saying, <laughs> which is fair. And then I forget, how did you guys get involved in this?
0: I feel Where like I, I feel like I said, but I would watch it with you probably, because any any opportunity to watch Jake Gyllenhaal on a big screen is something that I am pro. I just want to point out that in this
2: movie, he is playing a child, Mariam.
0: Listen, when I saw the film, I was 16. So and he was only 23 at the time playing a 16 year old. So it's it's fine. That's a that's a different thing for me to work out with my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think Rebecca said that she would watch or listen to us talk about it. Yeah, I think I literally
3: said I would listen to that podcast 12 out of 10. And then Shayna. I just chimed in
0: as I tend to do. And here we are. Here we are. And so as one does, Kate slid into all of our DMs at the same time. And we decided that we wanted to punish ourselves by having you, our listeners, vote for terrible terrible films with quotation marks around it disaster
2: movies disaster movies in every sense of the word
0: but we didn't want to do it for nothing no. we wanted to have you pay money to vote <laughs> as is habitual in america and then we would give that money to an organization doing amazing work of our choosing every month so you torture us but for a good cause
2: what is our good cause this time Miriam?
0: This month, we're giving your money to Ciencia Puerto Rico, which is a nonprofit organization that's been around for 10 years that is currently working to transform STEM education in Puerto Rico by making science more culturally relevant to the folks living in Puerto Rico.
2: All right. So (laughs) guys, who
0: are we?
1: So I'll start. My name is Shayna, and I am a paleontologist and a science writer and science communicator. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Shayna,
3: D-R-Shayna, where I just, you know, rant about my daily life in science. I'm Rebecca Boyle. I'm a science journalist and I usually write about space and astronomy, but I also, you know, care about the only habitable planet we actually have, which is this one. Mars is not good enough.
0: I'm Miriam Zaringham. I am a biologist and know nothing about the subject matter of the film that we are going to be discussing today, much like the people who
2: wrote and directed The Day After Tomorrow. (laughs) and my name is Kate Marvel. I am a climatologist and I work for the government. And I am so mad you people made me watch this movie. What? Um so <laughs> let's let's talk about it. So this week's film is The Day After Tomorrow and oh my god. So I feel like there might be uh, a couple listeners who haven't heard or seen this movie. What what happens in this movie? Just so much
0: there's so much plot and no
1: point there's like a lot of b and c and even d plots that really are completely irrelevant to the movie but I, i mean i think most generally somebody knew a little tiny bit about science and climate science and decided wouldn't this be a fun disaster movie and it has to take place um in new york and have dennis quaid be a sexy paleoclimatologist.
2: So the movie begins with Dennis Quaid breaking Antarctica. Thanks a lot, Dennis Quaid. (laughs) So there's like this
0: giant, they're like collecting ice core samples. And as they're collecting these samples, the sheet suddenly breaks apart. And there's like this dramatic, there's a pickaxe. And yeah. screaming and senseless action.
2: And Dennis Quaid risks his life to save those ice cores because you know what? There's no more ice. It's
0: completely unnecessary. God, yeah. <laughs> when you're on a full-on sheet of ice, there's no right. backup. <laughs> and then we and then we somehow jump forward to them at a uh, at some sort of like climate science summit in New Delhi, and and there we meet the vice president. Who is, surprise, surprise, a crotchety old white man. It's supposed to be Dick Cheney. Supposed to be Dick Cheney, but looked yeah. like a poor man's Tom Price <laughs> or a rich man's Tom Price, depending <laughs> on how, which way he slices. <laughs> and he's all like, oh, climate change, it's not real, the economy, blah, blah, blah.
2: And to be fair, Dennis Quaid, you know, Dennis Quaid appears to be the only paleoclimatologist in the entire world.
0: What what was... So then we also meet Bilbo Baggins.
1: Oh, yeah, Bilbo. Oh, yeah. He was another... I guess he was another... Well, he was another climatologist. He was not a paleoclimatologist, so... Yeah, and
0: so, so they, like... Dennis Quaid and him kind of, like, muck it up. And then there's, like, some weird joke about... I had the quote yeah when well
1: when he got back to the UK and they were like oh how was the meeting and he said you know how these scientific gatherings are all dancing girls wine and parties and that everyone laughs and never mentions it again so
2: no that is that is problematic Bill but the only good thing about this movie is how much it distrusts and does not understand British people
0: (laughs) not at all (laughs) And then then we move – there's just so much jumping around that happens that I don't even really – I can't describe. So then I think we meet Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, because he's the son of Dennis Quaid, of course. He's Dennis Quaid's son, and he's, like, really surly. He's, like, really – pout. he's poutier than I remember as a 16-year-old initially watching this film. I think that I've grown. I think my reaction to this film the second time as an adult – shows like market growth because he's just too surly he's like too he's too pouty we don't know why he's angry but we know that he's really smart he's in trouble for being smart aren't
2: we yeah, all when we first met him 2018, it was yeah prescient.
1: yeah i mean then global climate stops the ocean stops and then shit really starts to hit the fan at this point
2: oh yeah because in scotland their sensors start to go off right oh, yeah. so they've, they've got their computers programmed to beep when sea surface temperatures drop by 13 degrees Fahrenheit, which, which seems like a weird choice.
0: Does that mean anything? As the, as the resident climatologist who works for the government in, in the room, does that mean anything? You know what? I
2: don't, I don't know because that has never happened. And it might be that if all the temperatures in the ocean drop... 13 degrees Fahrenheit, every computer in our building is just going to go off. Start I don't know. I don't know. It, it might happen.
0: Do we think that they were arbitrarily like, what's a bad number? 13. 13. Yeah. I mean, the
1: interesting thing to me is the disconnect between the beginning of the movie and now we're kind of still at the beginning of the movie, but I'm talking the very beginning that the ice shelf has sheared off. Now, he's standing there and the Larson B. ice shelf, which is a real thing. And this is 2004 when the movie's made. So in 2002, a major part of that ice shelf actually did detach. So this is very, very, very vaguely based on something that happened. But of course, it takes more like decades for it to come off, not actually one day. So why would that in Antarctica stop the northern Atlantic ocean circulation? Kate, answer that for me. Oh, it
2: absolutely would not. Um, (laughs) But... I mean, I don't have to know because Dennis Quaid, the only paleoclimatologist in the world knows, he knows that 10,000 years ago, the earth went through a very rapid period of cooling as it was coming out of the ice age. And that's actually a thing, except you know, 12,000 years ago, whatever. But that is something that actually happened, right? So it's this event called the Younger Dry Ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, scientists are still fighting about exactly why this happened. So the Earth is coming out of an ice age. You know, it's sort of like the orbit's wobbling a little bit closer to the sun and the Earth starts getting warmer. And then all of a sudden, shit gets real and it starts getting a lot colder. So some people think that's, oh, well, a bunch of meltwater got... Dumped into the North Atlantic and messed up the thermohaline circulation. That's that's a pretty widely accepted theory. Some people think, well, this is just something that can happen to the ocean circulation—melt water or no—when you when you warm it up. And then some people think it was a giant thing from outer space, right?
3: Yes, hmm. there was a paper this week about that actually that argued that there's a new crater that was uncovered in Greenland. And it's not dated very well. So we don't know when this crater formed. But um, the people who wrote the paper suggested, maybe this happened during the Younger Dryas. And maybe this thing slammed into earth and made it get cold. And there's no proof of that. But there are some people who love that idea.
0: I think that the really important question that we should be asking ourselves right now is, do we think that this week's Latest developments in the driest controversy or debate will spark the day
2: after tomorrow's tomorrow. Day after tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> this is what's so weird about this movie is that like global warming is real, right? Like it's a thing, it's happening. California is currently on fire. San Francisco has the worst air quality of anywhere in the world and yet they're like what if it wasn't global warming what if it was actually global cooling and it's just it's just weird to me like why why did you need to make that movie
3: i actually kind of respect that in a small way because i mean i remember i'm old enough to remember when it was just called global warming and before anybody ever started talking about the term climate change and climate change is a more accurate way to describe what's happening because it's changing like it's not only getting warmer and it is but some places will see more snowfall some places we'll see more extreme temperatures in different seasons and so I kind of like that, actually. Hmm, this might be not what you think is of as climate change, but, you know, it's not all going to be wildfires and, and boiling hot summers. There's also going to be extreme cold um, that is shifting around because of this.
1: I think that's a good, a great point because, you know, it's not all hot. But also what people don't have to worry about is that it ha- would not happen overnight. Like it does in the movie.
0: <laughs> it does surprise, surprise, get very cold. One of the taglines is this year a sweater won't do.
1: <laughs> but wait, Miriam, whoever said tomorrow is another day didn't check the weather.
0: Because the weather would be plummeting to <laughs> sub zero very quickly. And and so we meet Jake Gyllenhaal. He's like about to go off to this academic decathlon situation with his friend Emmy Rossum. And Brian Parks, I don't know what the actor's name is who plays him. It's fine because they go to New York and then it like jumps to like these disasters happening in L.A. There's a hailstorm randomly, like this couple that's about to get it on gets like blown, (laughs) blown away completely. Like it just doesn't, we meet all of these characters that don't matter. Not that the protagonists matter either because they're unlikable across the board (laughs) They're so unlikable. And you're just like, you're like, oh, another person that I'm supposed to care about, but there's going to be no character development, but they're immediately killed off. So, like, it's fine. And so it makes it, like, very convenient. I, like, didn't really know where to invest my emotions, Because I couldn't tell, like, the characters were so badly developed that the auxiliary ones mattered just as little as
2: the main ones. (laughs) The thing is, this movie is, like, the most L.A. movie ever made. And I say this as somebody who loves California and wants to live in L.A. But whenever anybody unattractive gets a close-up, they are immediately murdered by weather.
0: (laughs) So there's just these, like, catastrophic events. There's, like, a super, super tornado. There's, like, hail coming down in places where it's not supposed to. But yet,
3: news helicopters are, like, flying around taking video of the tornadoes because they can still shoot video.
2: Oh, my God. You you guys have found a flaw with this movie. <laughs>
3: Wait, just one? Just one Kate? <laughs> I feel
0: like we're just rattling off we're just rattling off things that were all flaws.
1: <laughs> so wait, around this time though, around this time is that the animals start sensing something that something's going wrong with the plant. Okay, so you
2: guys you guys are biologists. Like is that a thing?
0: I think so. I feel like my cat when when weather's about to change, she's already psychotic, but I feel like she's more psychotic.
1: There are actually a lot of anecdotal stories, especially surrounding, like, major earthquakes, like in um, the tsunami in 2004 that animals, like, started to stir and, like, move to higher ground and birds flew away and kind of things like that. So, I mean, it's possible. I mean, it's definitely possible because the changes in pressure or electromagnetic fields, which some animals can can sense uh, for migration purposes, could could be disrupted and that could disturb them. So I mean it's not,
2: you know. (laughs) Alright, so it's getting cold. There's random weather disasters. Uh, The animals are freaking out. Jake Hall is at an academic decathlon.
0: Yeah, lusting after after Emmy Rossum. In in the
2: least interesting subplot.
3: But then they can't leave to go home because all air traffic is grounded because like these huge tornadoes are hitting the country all over and then apparently some airplane goes down and we don't really know like where or how many people are on board
2: and it doesn't really matter at all. And then meanwhile, Dennis Quaid is on the phone with his wife, ex-wife. I feel like that was sort of not Yeah, really we're not developed. clear on that.
0: Other than that, she's she's uh, a pediatric oncologist. Of course, because they had to make because like they didn't bother to make her likable through dialogue. They were just like, oh, she's kind. Look at her with this
2: boy that has cancer and who, who appears to have no legal guardian.
0: They like kept trying to find him on the phone. But they're just. I feel like they just keep trying to up the ante. Like everything. It's just like, oh, you thought that like the animals going crazy was enough or the hailstorm or the couple getting it on that, like, get their building blown away or that Jake Gyllenhaal has a crush and that he has daddy issues and that there's, like, tension between the mom and the dad. Are they married? I don't know, but look at this boy with cancer. Like, (laughs) where am I supposed to go?
1: But it's only going to go way downhill from here, though. I mean, that's like, you know, that's the good stuff that you just mentioned. (laughs) then Oh, how far we have left to fall. <laughs> then, this is like, then the weather starts coming to New York
0: people and this is not a joke. Yeah, it's like raining like crazy. It's it's like straight up monsooning. There's some stuff happening in Scotland where they're like,
2: you know, saying their goodbyes to family or something. What they do is the guy who it's been established has a wife and child when all the shit's going down, sort of picks up his tea and biscuits and says, to England. First of all, you are in Scotland. Scotland that yes. is offensive.
1: <laughs> it is offensive. It is Scottish so people would <laughs> hate that shit. That's offensive.
2: Right. And second of all, there like I love how like the top priority of the British is tea and biscuits. Yeah. So okay, boom. Where are we?
1: Okay, so it rained nonstop for like three days. It was like crazy flooding. And then why did the ocean wash into manhattan and kill everybody in like a tsunami unless you ran into the new york public library and shut the doors in time and it stopped the ocean from coming inside so that's how all the people lived but i guess like you know that's how it works yeah,
0: I mean, honestly, this was really an elaborate propaganda scheme
2: funded by national libraries. Libraries are amazing because they stop the ocean, they stop cold, they have tons of fuel. If we want to protect
0: from a climate apocalypse, we have to build libraries on the coast, on every inch of coast. they yes. libraries. So they're, so they're like, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal and his friends are like running through the streets of New York Emmy Rossum encounters a taxi cab in which this like this woman who speaks only French and her child are like trying to explain to a cop who only speaks English that like they're drowning in this taxi cab. And that they need to be let out. And the cop's just like, I don't speak French. I don't speak French. Even though he sees this taxi cab filling with water. And like, they're clearly going to drown. And so like, Emmy Rossum backtracks And is just like, oh, I speak French. Not like I have eyes. And I can tell that they need to be pulled out of this flooding taxi cab. It's just so fucking crazy. <laughs> And and then like as Emmy Rossum is like as is like pulling them out or maybe this was before she like cuts herself on a taxi cab in this like flood water that is just like clearly a festering cesspool of like Manhattan shit plus the ocean and then the ocean comes in and she and like the, these French people and the cop run into the library and close the door. And like a homeless guy with a dog too, obviously, yeah. And the dog was previously not allowed into the library, but given that the ocean has risen up and (laughs) the end times are here, the the librarians were like, we'll make an exception just this once.
1: (laughs) Just just in case we all die, but you know, the the dog can stay. Then now there's all this water
3: and now it's getting cold.
1: So it's gonna start to freeze.
3: We should mention the, uh, the most famous line of the movie, which is once, once these cyclones start happening and, and it was rains for three days and suddenly Dennis Quaid is pressed into service with his paleoclimate models to explain what the hell is happening. And he says, I think we've reached a critical desalinization point at which the ocean is becoming uh, less full of salt and it's going to mess up all of these climate circulation models and so only he and his paleo wisdom can tell what will happen as a result of this and uh he needs to get to the mainframe and this is my favorite part of the movie because they suddenly make climate models extremely sexy and compelling and they like run down the hallway and they're breathlessly saying give me the mainframe no no Fine, you've got forty eight hours he has to go and, and I mean,
2: backcheck. Climate models are incredibly sexy and compelling. <laughs> and but
0: just, like, how bad does true. How bad does your movie have to be? Like, how badly written does it have to be for I think we've reached a critical desalinization point to be the most famous and memorable line. Like, how bad? does all of the dialogue have to be for that to be like oh that really
2: jumped out this movie's basically Casablanca (laughs) (laughs) my favorite part is he has his underlings supervise the climate model while he sleeps and then they bring him the results on a piece of paper just printing
1: it out you know just printing it out
2: you know Um, There's another scene in this movie where somebody says, all of our grid models are useless, (laughs) which does not make any sense um, because climate models operate on computers. And in order to solve the differential equations that underlie climate models, you need to put them on a grid. So I don't know if this movie thinks a paleoclimate model is like a diorama or what, um, but it, it, it seems to be very confused about what exactly I'm a model is. Um, and I think that's actually an interesting thing to point out is that there's a difference between a climate model, which predicts sort of long-term average conditions, and a weather model, which tracks the air masses that exist in the real world. So a weather model is reliable a day out, you know, maximum 10 days out. What they're doing here is they're basically using the weather model to forecast the end of the world in like six to eight weeks. Hmm. And there's no weather model that is accurate out to that length of time.
3: I also want to point out my other favorite part of the movie, which is that Apparently the way that we get weather forecasts and data to feed those models is by calling up the space station and asking them what it (laughs) looks
2: like. To work at NASA, you have to be friends with the astronauts. Oh,
1: you're
0: on the phone all the time.
2: I mean, now we have a WhatsApp group, like new technology. But yeah, basically,
0: you just text the the people in the satellites
2: or the people in the space station. They send you an emoji like,
0: "Hey, how's it It's just like Brownie a selfie. Phrase. It's just like selfies of the Earth.
2: <laughs> totally. There, there you go. Fact check. True.
0: Yeah. Now you all, listeners, know how science works.
2: All right. So it's getting cold. Dennis Quaid and his his model save the world.
0: Less save the world as much as...
2: Exactly pinpoint the death of the world. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Which is almost the same.
1: And people yeah. start to listen to him too, which I'm a little salty about, you know, as a paleontologist and he's a paleoclimatologist and, you know, people actually listen to him and like respect his knowledge which doesn't happen that often so i mean he's you know. a man chena and you're not so yeah that's that's probably a big part of that's it part of it um, that's but i just la- you don't
0: have like a rugged five o'clock shadow <laughs> as it were day after tomorrow shadow you're right you're right <laughs> so he also like uses his not his insider knowledge to convey to his son and his pals in the New York Public Library, what to do. And and the way that he conveys this information is Jake Gyllenhaal is like, wait a second, let me check in with my dad. He's the only paleoclimatologist in all of the world, so I'm gonna go give him a ring. And he like goes down to this payphone as the ocean water is coming in and flooding, uh, flooding the library. And he just like wades into this freezing cold water. I to can me. I,
2: I can confirm that at this point in the movie, Miriam started yelling, Take your pants off, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I know
0: because so why would you 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 have no clothes. You only have the clothes that are literally on your back. And you have this like pool of freezing cold water and you're like, let me ruin all of my clothes and just walk into it so I can make a phone call. No, you take your clothes off. So you have dry ones waiting for you. And I feel like this movie would have been so much better, so much more believable if I just saw some of Jake Gyllenhaal's naked body. (laughs)
1: And the thing that was sort of a waste, <laughs> I'm just ignoring that, is when he is on the phone and the, advice, <laughs> and the advice given is just like, stay inside. Cool. Keep warm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So of, after he makes it, of that.
2: Well, you think that that's obvious advice, but nobody else in New York listens to that. No, advice. they don't. No.
0: So eventually the ocean turns to snow ice. And the people are like, oh, this feels normal.
3: I think he literally says, we can walk on the water now. It's frozen.
0: Which is like, if you see in the course of a few hours that all of the water of the ocean has turned to ice, it's probably a good indicator that you should not go
2: out there. And meanwhile, British people are turning to ice and falling out of the sky as they try to rescue the royal family. The British
0: royal family, oh, yeah.
2: Their top priority.
0: Randomly, like, let's throw the queen in here. (laughs) So they really
2: understand what the stakes are. (laughs) So I want to know, was the queen on that helicopter? That was really unclear.
1: No, I think they were going to pick her up at Balmoral in Scotland. Because of course, they had to be in Scotland at the time,
3: the British royal family.
1: And I think it was, but I don't think she died.
3: I also want to point out another one of my favorite scenes of this movie, which is (laughs) that when the helicopter goes down, It's negative 150 degrees Fahrenheit in Scotland. And he like looks out the window and then becomes frozen like he would as if he was in space. And I want to (laughs) know if that's even possible. Like they say at one point that the temperature is dropping 10 degrees per second. And I don't know if that's even like physically possible. (laughs) I want to say no.
2: That scene where they're like, the temperature is dropping 10 degrees per second. That goes on for like a minute. And like by the end of that scene, the temperature would have reached absolutely
1: zero. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you're saying there is a chance.
2: No, there's no chance. I feel like we need to talk about Janet the NASA hurricane scientist.
0: Oh yeah, um, we totally forgot about who Janet. Is, who is
2: my favorite character in this movie? Because they have a kind of weird subplot where like she's like maybe sexually harassed by <laughs> by one of Dennis Quaid's underlings. Dennis Quaid is a bad manager. He's a team of one. No, he should not be a PI. So after being weirdly sexually harassed by this guy, Dennis Quaid decides that he's going to go and he's going to go get his son in New York. And so there's this kind of touching scene where he's packing up his car and uh, one of his underlings comes out. Frank comes out, packs up the car and says, I'm going with you. And then Jason comes. Jason's the weird sexual harasser comes out and says I'm going with you and then Janet comes out and she says good luck guys and team Janet
0: and yeah so like as Dennis Quaid is making his way up to his son Jake and Emmy Rossum admit that they're into each other Mm -hmm. they share a kiss and the next morning she doesn't wake up but she's not dead they somehow like they're in this library they're burning all of these books to like sustain the fire so that they don't freeze to death. But thankfully, they didn't burn the uh, the book that contains all of the diagnoses of possible conditions, including, The fact that our friend Emmy Rossum had had blood poisoning, because for reasons that I don't understand, because she's on the academic decathlon. She's like she understands after Jake Gyllenhaal takes his swim in the cold water, how to like warm up his body so that he doesn't like get a heart attack, getting too warm too quickly. Yet she like decides Oh, I have this giant gash on my leg from a taxi from a taxi, which like, if you cut yourself on, and this is a PSA. If you cut yourself on any surface in New York city, you wash it with soap and water because it is dirty here. She didn't have time, Miriam. When was she supposed to do that? She was running for her life. She, they had a week. They had a week (laughs) of doing nothing but burning books. They had so much time. They
1: also could have burned a lot of the furniture they were sitting on before the books, which, you know, whatever.
0: I mean, how would they have made snowshoes? Because as like, you know, stupid Emmy Rossum doesn't, doesn't wash this, ends up getting blood poisoning. And so the boys are like, we need to build snowshoes out of these chairs. So if they had burned the furniture, we wouldn't have gotten to this next bit where Jake Gyllenhaal and his friends go out to get some penicillin for Emmy Rossum from this like boat which, by the way, yeah, like bro. some boat like sails in from the ocean to the New York Public a pleasure.
2: Russian boat
1: too.
0: Everything a goes. Russian boat, yes. So this boat, do you
1: think it came from Russia or was it just like close to?
2: I think I think product placement for
3: for Russian <laughs> cruises.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but wait so in the meantime so while he's doing this Dennis Quaid saw so uh, Jack is on his way because he's had to he was first in a truck that crashed and then he had to start walking to New York and there was a little incident at a shopping mall Frank fell through a glass oh, yeah. roof at R. a R. shopping <laughs> mall and yeah Frank saves Jason and Jack and cuts himself loose and falls to his death you know just really good team player there <laughs> And also, which we don't really talk about a lot, the president dies.
2: It was, was pretty much on the side. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I, he so, didn't make it. So
0: Dennis Quaid lets everybody know hey, after all of this craziness happens, after this giant storm, the only habitable place is gonna be the global south. So like a caravan forms and mm-hmm, heads down way to way Mexico. They called the reverse and, caravan. Yeah, so en route to Mexico, the president dies.
3: But he like won't leave the White House. He's like they show him in, in the Oval Office and Dick Cheney, Tom Price, is already somewhere safe in an undisclosed location. And the president like Looks along <laughs> with Janet. The president looks longingly at his desk and then looks longingly out the Oval Office window at like a huge snowdrift and finally he goes, Okay. And the Secret Service like leads him out the door. And then apparently, even though he had no, what was he doing? You know, he was just looking longingly at his at his desk and presidenting. He didn't want to give up. He's very patriotic. <laughs> he didn't want to leave.
1: Do you think he line? was like goodbye chair,
0: yeah. goodbye rug, goodbye could-
1: bookshelf, resolute desk? I would be sad if I was the president and it got fucked up by climate change and I had to leave. Yeah, I'd be mad. I'd be
0: mad too. <laughs> but you'd also be like, oh god, the apocalypse! I gotta get out of here. I gotta get, <laughs> get
2: out of here <laughs> to a bunker. There's, I'm There's the president in the White House, right? Like you could have survived.
0: But for how long?
2: Is everybody in this movie dead because nobody has any books?
0: I feel like this is an anti Kindle movie because you can't burn an e reader. I mean, you can, but like once you burn the e reader, that's it. I think that this was pro being a hermit because the moral of the story was stay inside. Yeah, never, never go outside.
1: That's how I live my life, and I'm going to continue to live my life.
2: Can we get back to the wolves? Oh, oh yeah. yeah,
0: so they go, so they go on this ship. <laughs> to to get some penicillin, and they encounter the wolves that have escaped the Central Park Zoo, Mm -hmm. randomly show up.
2: Okay, so I have a question about this. Like, I am not a biologist. What is the freezing point of a wolf?
0: I want to say the same as us, but in movie world, I think that if you are angry enough... And desperate enough to survive, you can boil your blood (laughs) and not freeze to death.
2: Okay, are these like supernatural wolves? Are these like Twilight wolves? These are
0: clearly Twilight wolves. Okay, so this is Twilight is actually day after tomorrow fan fiction. Whoa, fun (laughs) trivia that just blew my
3: mind. Fun trivia.
2: That's why.
0: That's why the wolf is named Jake in Twilight.
3: (gasps) We figured it out. (laughs) out!
0: (laughs) And that's why he's shirtless all the time as payback, because they were like, Miriam out there is our target demographic, and she wanted to see Jake shirtless more. So it's just like all of the things that I liked about The Day After Tomorrow in another film I don't care for. But with a different Jake also, so. Anywho.
2: So it's cold, they're burning books, Frank is dead. The president's dead. It's horrible. Dennis Quaid is walking to his son. He has not brought any communications devices or food or supplies. So it's kind of unclear what he's going to do when he reaches him.
1: But how cold was it in New York? Because, I mean, it was much colder in Scotland. So I'm guessing it's like just a, a balmy, like, negative 70 in New York, maybe. I don't I mean, know. There's like
2: bodies all over them.
0: Why didn't the wolves eat the people that were freezing all over the place? Yeah, that's a nice supply of meat. Is that because they needed like a warm meal? Because like they're on this boat looking for food, but there's like, we later see that there's dead people all over Manhattan.
2: I mean, I guess it's like, why do you warm up your frozen pizza? Why don't you just eat it frozen?
0: I catch a pizza
1: in the wild only living pizzas and I only want to take them down after I hunt them. So
2: it's probably (laughs) why. You gotta tease them. (laughs) You guys are the biologists.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think wolves would be, wolves definitely do scavenge, but I, mean, I think they're more, more would be like a, a predator.
2: So the, the wolves bite the rich kid. Does he recover from that? Do we ever see him again? I don't remember ever seeing him again.
0: I think he's fine. Yeah, we'll just assume he's fine.
2: Yeah. And then Dennis Quaid
0: comes. Then they get rescued. Somehow the U.S. military comes and gets them, flies them out, and then they go and meet Jake Gyllenhaal's mom, I guess, in Mexico. It's unclear how she got to Mexico
2: from DC. But then, amazingly, the Vice President gets on TV and gives this amazing kind of moving speech about you know, how we should be grateful to what we've called the third world, and we should have listened to the scientists, and we shouldn't have done all this stuff. I don't know if you guys noticed, but that speech is being broadcast on the Weather, on the weather Channel. Channel. <laughs>
3: That made
1: me so happy. It's the only channel left now, guys. Everyone is forced to only watch the Weather Channel.
0: There's no more channels. It's like you guys didn't learn from the beginning. And so like now you can only ever listen to the Weather Channel for all of the rest of eternity. (laughs) Seems fair. The end.
1: And then, well, the whole thing wraps up in like seven, is it like seven or eight
2: days? but isn't there a scene where janet's model says that um the earth will be destroyed or will go into a new ice age in six to eight and he says six to eight months yeah no six to eight weeks and it's like label your axes janet
0: listen she's just trying to not be harassed
2: and I i mean i team janet you know like we all we all make mistakes
1: and then and then I like the way the movie ends with the astronauts like looking down and they're like, Ooh, the air is
3: so clear. I've never seen it so clear out there. Yeah,
0: once you've purged half the planet or half, then it gets clear. So do you guys think that you would survive this? I
1: really probably wouldn't, honestly. I wouldn't try that. I hard. would not survive in the cold.
2: Um I for sure would because I have books.
1: You'd be burning. I, <laughs> I do have a lot of books, but I have no place to burn them in. I'm going to start burning my dissertation first. That's the first thing to go. I'm looking at it right now. It's going to, that's going to get lit up. That'll keep me warm for 20 minutes.
2: <laughs> I feel like that's the only reason to get a PhD. Yeah. Yeah. It's just to have a stack of papers
0: that mean nothing to you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so that should lead oh, that us into. Now that we've given you a semi-coherent rundown of the film, let us move to our next segment, which is highs and lows. Shana, do you want to go first? Yes. My high, um,
1: as I mentioned, is that Dennis Crane is a paleoclimatologist and people like him and they listen to him. And actually his models were right, which is great news. Love hearing that. Love hearing that his deep time models are right. And my low is probably uh, being afraid that if we try to flee to Mexico, we're definitely not going to be allowed to do that. So we're all Gonna die. Thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we build that wall, it's really gonna put a hindrance in mm-hmm. in our ability yeah. to freely move. Rebecca, what about you?
3: One of my highs are the uh, really heavy handed metaphors that were found sprinkled throughout this movie, including in the opening sequence when the core drilling guy is getting his samples together, and you know you hear this ominous crack, and all of a sudden the ice opens up and he is standing there and it's all rumbling and shaking and everyone's like looking at him like what'd you do and he goes I didn't do anything (laughs) but (laughs) you did buddy we all did we all did this (laughs) and then he falls into the depths of the ice and then also the part where um the Tom Price Dick Cheney says they're in like the situation room or somewhere it's not clear and another dude who i don't remember what this guy's context was but maybe he's dennis quaid's boss is like telling the vice president what's happening and how we need to evacuate the country and he's like i don't want you know man this is bs blah 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 and you know he says something about the science and the guy responds you didn't want to hear about the science when it could have made a difference and you're like oh "Oh." you could hear a pin drop and that was a great moment
2: all right kate what about you I don't think I had any high points. <laughs> this this movie really upset me on many levels. Cause it wasn't it wasn't just the bad science. It was how almost all of the characters were just completely unlikable, except Janet. Kate is Janet. I am Janet. Kate stands I, uh, Janet
1: hardcore. I do. I yeah, do.
2: yeah. My low point is I really didn't like the fact that I sympathized with Dick Cheney, because he's got a line where he says, I don't think we should restructure the entire economy based on the word of one scientist. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you absolutely should not do that. You know, whenever there's one lone scientist saying, you know, I have all the answers, that dude is almost always wrong. <laughs> and, and I feel like you know, we need to be really explicit that the people telling you that climate change is real, that's not like one guy. That's not even one like super handsome guy like Dennis Quaid. That's like every scientist in the world is telling you that climate change is real and we should take it seriously. So I was kind of team Dick Cheney on this when he's like, I'm not going to listen to this one dude because you should not listen to that one dude. But if it's all the dudes and like me and all my friends and everybody that I work with like yeah you should you should listen to us yeah
0: so so now that Kate's given us all that that profound insight I'm gonna go with my high is feeling very much like I might be able to survive an apocalypse because I am a homebody Hmm. who has a lot of books and my low point was realizing that counter to my memory of this film Jake Gyllenhaal is at no point shirtless (laughs) and realizing that i was gonna have to go through an entire two hours and four minutes without seeing this man even dennis quaid with everybody was fully clothed for the whole movie that's why you shouldn't watch movies about cooling events that's the best point i think you've made this whole time honestly i think so too it's like how would this movie have been better there, there's no central, important questions. There's a, there's no likable characters. There's no plot. The CGI, I guess, is pretty cool.
2: For 2004. For I guess, 2004.
0: Yeah. It holds up. It didn't feel like that dated.
1: No, you're right. Watching it. They worked hard on that. I'll give them some credit for that. They worked hard on that.
2: I mean, I feel like this should not be shown, period. But we can, we can agree on that. <laughs>
1: Honestly, I think this is probably one of the best movies we're going to watch in this project. So... I'm just a little bit scared. That's all I have to say.
3: So I rented this on a, through Amazon and, and I watched it on my laptop and they had, like, if you move the mouse, it has like a little pop-up trivia. And it said toward the end of the movie that 20th Century Fox invited a group of scientists to preview the film to test the reactions to the science. None of the scientists were impressed with what they saw, although most conceded that the movie was enjoyable nonsense. So
0: how would you rate this movie on a scale of one to ten? Kate, you go first.
2: I would give it a three, I think. And the only reason it gets those three points is because it's just so extra. We sat down, we made a list of all the weather. We put all the weather in the movie.
3: All right, Rebecca, how about you? I would give it a five because I have to admit that I really enjoyed it even though it was terrible <laughs> which you know is good movie making Shayna how about you
1: as as you have known that i've been arguing since we started this that this is actually a good movie <laughs> which it's not but i could i'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 because i am trying to wow. be optimistic i try to be optimistic and say that be- it might get people curious About climate. And they would be like, wow, if the ocean currents did stop, what would happen to climate? And maybe they'll look it up, but they probably will not. But maybe they will. And that's why I give it a seven out of 10.
0: I'm going to give it a four because I didn't hate it. I know how it can be better if I just close my eyes and think a little. And Kate gave me bagels when we watched it. And honestly, that colored my opinion of it quite a good deal. And so so if we average our scores, it gets a 4.75 <laughs> out of 10, which, which I think is its Rotten Tomato score. So oh. I believe that with oh. the four of us combined, we have a real future in film criticism.
1: Probably not, but. I hope, I, I hope people learned a little bit of something i don't know
0: actually probably not i think that we've learned a few things like your movie will be better if you're shirtless that wolves don't freeze hmm. and that and climate wash, models are complicated and wash, wash your cuts. cuts and bruises yeah get that Neo all Sporn. right yeah me <laughs> born for the apocalypse so that wraps up our first episode of Anthropo Cinema. Thank you to Caveat NYC for the podcast recording equipment. Our amazing theme music is by Visager. Extra special thanks to everyone who supports us at Patreon.com/slash Anthropo Cinema. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find fine podcasts. Until next time, I'm Miriam signing off for Kate, Rebecca, and Shayna.